Okay, today's daf is daf Kiddushinun, 50, and we pick up at the very bottom of Memtet Amidbet at a new Mishnah. Um, so a man marries a woman and says on the condition that I'm a Kohen, and he's discovered that he's a Levi, Levi Vinim Sakoin, or the reverse, Nisin Vinim Samamzer, on the condition that I'm a Nisin, which is a Givenite, and it turns out, which is a lower status of uh, personal status, but it turns out that he's a Mamzer in all these cases. The first one mentioned of the pair is the more uh, higher status or the more preferred one. <clears throat> Or Mamzer Vinim Sakoin, he said, Mini Vinim Sinasin, he said he was a Mamzer, turned out to be in a sin. So whether he said better and turned out to be worse, or worse and turned out to be better. Ben Ir Vinim Ben Krach, if he said he lived in a town and it turned out that he lived in a city, or Ben Krach Vinim Ben Ir, or a city and he lived, turned out he lived in a town. Now, because, as you'll notice, the better one is mentioned first, the presumption of the Mishnah um, is that it's uh, better off living in a town than in the city. And if you look at Rashi, Rashi says, Ben Ir Vinim Ben Krach, Yeshivat Krachim Kasha. It's uh, difficult living in a city. There is a lot of like you know uh, like uh, markets. It's a noisy place. The rents are expensive. Costs are high. It's very crowded. Of course, you know exactly those things is why some people think it's better to live in a city than in a town. So that's interesting. What it is implicitly reflecting about the attitude of the Mishnah. Um, Okay, on the condition that my house is close to the bathhouse, right? That's nice to have those, uh, uh, you know, easily accessible, those amenities. And it winds up that it's actually distant, so it's worse than promised. Or uh, that it's distant and it turns out that it's close. On the condition that I have a daughter or a maidservant who is, uh, we'll read this, the simple shot, which is an adult, somebody who can help out around the house. Although if you remember earlier, the Gemara had a different reading of that. Um, the Ainlo, and it turns out he doesn't. He says, I don't have them. And it turns out he, do, he does have it. them. On the condition, I don't have sons. That is a preferable status because that means that uh, there will not be uh, comp- uh, other, well, you know, specifically sons here because there won't be other people competing for the inheritance with the children of this woman. The um turns that he does have, where he says on condition that I have, and it turns that he doesn't, so that becomes better than promised. Um, and none of those does it work. It's actually quite fascinating that the Mishnah doesn't even end by saying That's somehow presumed because that was the ruling of the previous Mishnah. So again, you'll remember in the previous Mishnah there was a debate that Rabbi Shimon said that if it was turned out better than promised. Um, it, that it would work, that somehow uh, it, it's assumed to be that the person is would be okay if it was better, even though it was explicitly said al-manas. Uh, but Rabbi Shimon is not debating this Mishnah because, as the Gemara said, issues of personal status actually maybe better isn't better. Maybe you don't want somebody of a higher status. Anyway, that's how the Gemara explained it. But anyway, all these cases are whether the condition turned out better than promised or worse than promised, she's not mikudashas. Ubikulam, and here is the important additional line that gets added, even if she says, I was already planning to marry the guy, even with, I don't care, I love him, it didn't matter. You know, he said that, but I didn't care about that. She's still not married. Once you make something on the condition of X, uh, that becomes the legally binding framing of the marriage. And the he shehitaso. 
And the same way he or she is deceiving her, the same would be true if she would deceive him, make something on the condition, and the condition would not wind up to be true. Again, it's worth noting that the Mishnah speaks about to, to, to um, deceive, but really it's not about the uh, deception per se, or doesn't, the Gemara never makes it about the deception. It's really that something was made on the condition of something, and the condition did not turn out to be true. So the primary um, um, new idea of the Mishnah is even if she says, I didn't care about that, it doesn't matter. Well, it's legally binding is what is said, and that leads to an extremely important principle um, articulation of a principle which is which which comes right at this Gemara. This Gemara is going to be the core discussion of the principle of Dvarim Shebelev Enam Dvarim. That things that are in the heart do, are not legally binding. Uh, things have to be said in order to be have meaning within the legal system. Um, and um, and that is a huge principle throughout Shas, and this is the Gemara that discusses it. So let's take a look at the Gemara. A person sold off his property. Rashi emphasizes it's his, uh, you know, his home, um, and his plan was to make aliyah, but he never said anything to anybody. Okay, when he sold it, he didn't say, "I'm doing it because I'm planning on making aliyah." I'm a Rava, and presumably then it didn't work out, and he didn't wind up going to Israel, and now he's homeless. So can he reverse the sale? So Amar Rava says, Rava, Havidvarim Shabalev. The idea that it was on that condition, you know, that was the under that was the reason why, and somehow he only sold it because he was assuming he was going to be able to do, to make Aliyah, that's all just mad things in his heart. There, the, you know, there are things that are unarticulated. Vidvarim Shabalev Adam Dvarim. Things that are unarticulated have no halachic weight and meaning. All right, now. Where does Rava get this idea? Obviously, one possibility is our Mishnah, which is why we're having that discussion now. But we're going to see about the different possibilities and which ones really are, you know, most strongly prove Rava's principle. Ha, from what we taught, top of Nunam Aleph, so. The Pasuk says in the beginning of Ayikra that if a person, you know, makes a imolah korbanah minabakar, if a person, you know, brings his korban and ola, it says, yakrivo so, he should bring it. And that's seen as an extra phrase, okay? Because it says, it already says, zachar tamim yakrivenu. So why does it say yakrivo so? He should bring it. Malamit shekofino so, you force him, yakrivo so, you make him bring a korban if he took a neder. Yachobal karcho, maybe even if you, he resists, Right, so Talmud Lomar, Lirat Sono, it says it should be for his, you know, Lirat Sono, you know, it should be, uh, you know, for, you know, for his, uh, like, uh, on his account, on his, you know, on his behalf, but the way it's reading it here is a literal Lirat Sono, he has to desire it. Now, how can you have both of those? He has to want it, and you force him to do it. Ha-Ketzad, how do you put those together? You force him until he says, fine, I want to do it. You're beating me up until I say I want to do it, so I'll say I want to do it. All right? Now, the Gemara points out, he verbally says he wants to do it, but evidence makes it clear that he doesn't want to do it. So, um, so the Gemara says, so, so, so you see, in his heart, clearly he doesn't want to do this, or at least there's a good reason to think he doesn't want to do it. And love, this pro- proves Rav's principle. Legally, we go by what he says and not by what he's thinking. And he says he wants to do it, so legally, that's what's binding. And that's considered to satisfy the demand that the Corbin has to be brought. Lear so no. The says, one minute. 
maybe there it's, we, we can say that he really in the end does want to do it because he wants to be a to- get an atonement. So even if it required a little arm twisting, deep down when we finally got him to realize what he really wants all along. And maybe, you know, Dvarim Shevelev is, you know, uh, uh, you know and, and, and maybe Dvarim Shevelev, if we would know that that was what the person was thinking, maybe that would be different. But here, you know, we, we can assume he says he wants to, he wants to. All right, which gets to the question, right? Because there's two questions here. If you think that what's going on in a person's heart, in a person's mind, matters, then the first step is you have to be able to prove it. How do you know the person's telling the truth about what they're saying? But the principle of Dvarim Shableveinim Dvarim is not just saying we can't, we, we can't, we don't know that, that that's really what the person was thinking. It's saying even if somehow we find out it's what the person was thinking, it doesn't matter. It's not legally binding. Okay, so here the Gemara says, how do you know, you know, maybe deep down he really does want to, and that's why it works, and not because we discount what he really is thinking. All right, so the Gemara says, Elmi Seifa, fine, the end of this, of this, of, of, of this Mishnah. The same is true when it comes to a get, the Shichurayavadim, and freeing a slave. When there's a time when Basin decides that a get must be given, or a freeing of a slave must happen, even if the person resists, you force the person until they say they want to do it. Um, why is this true? He doesn't want to, and here you can't say he wants to be atoned. He wants to stay married to his wife. I mean, this is the big problem with Aguna. And, uh, you know, uh, based in, you know, that, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that if a basin would choose to use force, it would work if they would get him to say Rod Sa'ani, um, something that can't happen here in the States, but can happen in Israel. But anyway, uh, that's a much larger question about, you know, why they are not using force when they actually have the ability to do so. But the principle is, is that if they get him to say Rotsani, you get him to say he wants to, it doesn't matter what he's thinking. That seems to be an excellent proof to Rava of Dram Shabalev Enam Tvarim. Vamai Habalibi Lo Nikolai, Elavni Shum Darmin and Dram Shabalev Enam Tvarim. It must be because Dram Shabalev Enam Tvarim. Swar says, no. Vidilma Shani Hasa Mishum Dimitzalishwadi Maybe that's different. Maybe there, you know, you can't say he wants to be atoned like the sacrifice. But deep down, it's because the, the, the Basin is forcing him, will say that deep in his heart, he wants to do the right thing. You know, everybody, the Pintala Yid, Rambam actually goes on this at length, and the Rambam says, you know, that a uh, person really does want to do, you know, the right thing and what Basin tells him, but his Yetzir Hara is getting in the way, so we're helping give a little pushback against the Yetzir Hara to let his Yetzir Hatov express itself. Very sort of uh, optimistic view of human nature. Um, and therefore, it's saying that the principle here might not be Dvarim Shebelevenim Dvarim, it might be that that, you know, that uh, could be that he really does want to do what he's saying. If the if base is forcing him, in the end of the day, people want to be part of the, the religious community, and maybe they do want to do it, you know, when they're pushed a little bit. Okay, it seems to be pretty good proofs to Rava, but the Gemara is saying you can't prove it in the end. Um, all right. Ella Amarav Yosef, Sir Yosef says, from the following Mishnah. Hamakadish Yasisha, the Amar, Kesara Yisishi Kohenis, Varehi Levia. A man marries a woman and says, oh, you know, I thought she was the daughter of a Kohen. It's interesting, calls her Kohenes, not Bas Kohen. And it turns out that she's uh, the daughter of a Levi, a Levia. Um, Levia v'nimsa Kohenes. Aniya v'harehi ha'shira. I thought she was born, she turned out to be rich. Aniya v'harehi ha'niya, or the reverse. Mikudeshes, it is valid. Miknei shalohi ta'aso. Because she did not de- deceive him. Again, notice the emphasis 
emphasis again in the mission of deception and seems to be about the wrongness of deceiving. But again, you know, is that the point or is the point that nothing was said? It was all unarticulated. That really seems to be the focus that the Gemara is consistently having, not about the aspect of deception. Okay, so even though he says, well, I thought that does not invalidate because it was, uh, it was not articulated. So the Gemara says, Ve'amai, ha'kamar kasavra ha'yisi. But the Gemara, okay, that seems to be great proof to Rava, right? Because that's because, okay, so fine, nothing was articulated, but that was the assumption he was working with. So why don't we go with what he was thinking? Um, it must be because we say So So that's a pretty good proof, right? And now, you know, again, there always is a question about, like, how do you know he's telling the truth and so on? But bracketing that, all right, here he says, this is what I was thinking, and we completely don't care about that. It's completely irrelevant that he claims he was thinking this. So says Abaye, you're right. You've proved there that we discount it, but there we're being machmir. We're saying that we're not going to take what he says and treat her as an unmarried woman. Oh, well, you said you thought she was a Kohen. Shouldn't that be a Levia? All right, fine. She doesn't need a get. No. You know, we're not ready to, to, to go by that. You know, we're not ready to... So it's true. We're going to discount what you said you were thinking, but that's because we want to play it safe. That doesn't mean we would discount it to be Mekil. We might discount it to be Machmir. So if you really want to prove Dorm Shablavin and Dorm, you have to give me a case where we discount it even to the point of being lenient. So let's take a look. El Amar Bay Mehachab. I says, I'll tell you where you get it from. Bekulam, Afopi Sha'im Sha'amra, Belibi Hayal, he's Kadishlo, Afopi Chain, Enim Kudeshes. Our Mishnah, our Mishnah, she, you know, the guy said, on the condition that I'm a Kohen, turned out he was a Levi. And she says, I don't really, you know, after she accepted the money and it turned out he was a Levi, she said, you know, I really didn't care about that. And we said, it doesn't matter. You're not married. So we're being naked. We're completely discounting her claim that she really didn't care. And we're saying the condition wasn't met, you're not married. So we're ignoring Dvarim Shabalev for the sake of being Mekil. So that should be a really good proof like Rava. So, um, why is that true? I really didn't care. It was in my heart, I didn't care about this. says, no. Right? There, you're right. You've proved Dvarim Shabalev Enam Dvarim. But there ain't a dvarim to go against when you explicitly articulate it otherwise. So there, you know, since you stipulated keeping the asne, you can't go ahead and say, oh, in my heart, I, I go, that goes against what was explicitly said. It was said the kiddushin was taking place on the condition that he's a kohen. You can't say, well, in my heart, I was thinking that that, that shouldn't matter, that that doesn't count. So you're right. You've proven dvarim shebelevedim to be strict. You've proven Dvarim Shabalevim that we're even going to be lenient, but that's to not negate something that was stated explicitly. Can you that let's go back to our case about selling on the that the guy was planning on going making Aliyah. Okay? Nothing was stated explicitly. He didn't say, I'm selling despite any travel plans I might have. So how do you know you would not take into account in that case things that that person was thinking? Okay? So um, so this, you know, case came in the, in the yeshiva of Rav Chizda and Rav Chizda was brought up in the yeshiva of Rav Huna. They were discussing this and they finally were able to find support for Rav's statement from the following. Oh, 
the Mi'ila case, we had this before when we were discussing the basis of shlichus. Somebody says to a shaliach, go ahead and bring me that money, you know, that's in there, that, 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 that's out, 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 out in the windowsill. And omin hadlus come from some, you know, type of a, like a, uh, of, 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 a, uh, of a box. The havilo, and he brings it. And then it turns out, and he goes out and he spends the money, and, um, and it turns out that that was hectish money. So the balabai is small. The Balabais was Moel, because this is the principle of Shlichus by Mi'ila. The Shaliach did what I said. So even though it was a Shaliach who did it, by Mi'ila we have this principle of Shlichus, and money of Hektish was spent for Chulin, and therefore I have been Moel. And here's the kicker. Um, uh, one minute. Even though the Balabais says, no, 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 I didn't mean from like, that half of the right side of the windowsill, I meant from the left side of the windowsill. Okay? small. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you said you were thinking only the money on that side and he went on that side. At the end of the day, he did your shlichos. Now, why can't you say, um, uh, uh, he said, but no, but I was intending otherwise. So the shlichus really was, he wasn't my shliach when he took from the right side. I was thinking the left side. All right, so that's a case where the dvarim shabalev are not contradicting anything that was said, and we are still completely discounting it. You can't say l'kula or l'chumra here, because like either the balabais is going to have to bring the korban or the shaliach, and we completely discount it, and it has no relevance l'halacha, and therefore the shlichus was fulfilled, and we ignore what the guy was saying, I was thinking. You see that that's the principle. So the Gemara says, now, now we get back to the question of how do we know the guy's telling the truth, right? Because really prove you have to prove that even if we could, even if we know you're sincere and we know it's true, it has no halachic meaning. Maybe sometimes we just discount it because we don't believe you. So the Gemara says, maybe he's lying because he wants to get out of Korban. We're discounting because we don't believe him. Not because it has no halachic meaning. So the Gemara says, no. Have they lemeimir have? So the Gemara says, no, nah, if he only wanted to get out of a korban, he had other things he could have said. He could have said, I knew it was hektish. Okay, and that's so clear. So he has no reason to lie. Now, the answer to that is obvious. Like, why would he want to say he intentionally took from hektish? The Gemara says, lo No, he, that, you can't say that. There's, he never would have said that he was mazed if he had another option to get out of a korban. He doesn't want himself to look like a Russia, that he was willing, that he intentionally misspent hectish money. So, okay, fine. But here's how he could have gotten out of it if he, if he wanted to just get out of korban. He could have said, oh, you know what? I, when the shaliach was off going to the store, I remembered that it was hectish money. And that would have been enough to get him off of the hook. And he would have been totally, you know, faultless. I, like, I forgot at the time when I told the shaliach to spend the money. Then he was off the store. Before the era of cell phones, I remembered. I had no way of recalling him. So that could have gotten him off of a korban. All right? You know, the time was on Shaliach. If the balabais remembers that it's hectic and the shaliach did not realize it, shaliach ma'al, then the shaliach was ma'al. So this is a perfect case Okay, because here, what have we done? It's a case where 
Dvarim Shabalev are discounted, even though it's not going against anything. He said window, the guy took from the window. Dvarim Shabalev are just saying, I meant this side of the window and not that. It's not contradicting anything that was said. It's not about Kula or Chumrah. It's a question about, you know, one person has to bring a Korban. And we're discounting it, even if we believe he's sincere, because if all he was trying to do was get out of a Korban, he had other things he could have said. So even if we are totally prepared to believe that he is sincere, it has no halachic meaning, dvarim shabalev, enam dvarim. So that is a really important halachic principle. Now, the problem with this is, is that there are a lot of exceptions. There are times when we say dvarim shabalev, are dvarim. So what are some of those exceptions? One is something that is called dvarim shabalev kol adam. It's like, even if it's not articulated, it's just self-evident based on the circumstances, okay? That opens up a whole can of worms, but, you know, that would be a type of a thing. So if the guy, never, you know, let's say, never said, I'm selling this because I'm planning on going to Aliyah, but he's say, you know, but he's, uh, you know, I don't know, he's like on the phone to his, uh, you know, to his, uh, well, maybe that's already speaking and saying things. But anyway, through his activities, it's clear, or through the context, it's clear, that's like a category called Dvarm Shabalev called Okay, it's self-evident. Other times, when you also deal with issues about like if somebody is being forced, like the earlier cases about, you know, where we're twisting his arm, you know, is, is, is somebody operating under clear sense of being compelled, does that then give weight to Dvarim Shabalev? Um, the Gemara before seemed to be not, but there's some discussion that it does. How about when somebody is, um, a whole principle in the beginning of Nadarim called Yadayim, where a person, you know, says an elliptical statement. He doesn't finish it. A Nazir is walking in front of him and he says, I will be, and we understand him to mean, I will be a Nazir. So that's when, it's not like he made a full sentence and now we're trying to modify it based on something he's thinking. We're using context clues and what he must be thinking and so on to, to, to ex- and finish his sentence for him. So there's a lot of these types of cases about Dvarim Shabalev, you know, where, where we are willing to consider it. Um, but certainly if it's something that, like, is not being compelled and, you know, and there's no obvious evidence and he's just saying, well, this is what I was thinking, then even if we believe him, you can't use what you're saying you're thinking and nobody had access to, you know, to go ahead and that halachically cannot be meaningful. So that's the basic principle of Dvarim Shabalev and Dvarim. I should say that um, there are a very important position that emerges from Rambam and Tosus Rid also says, which is that this is particularly true in two-sided um, um, exchanges, meaning, right, like where there's another side. You're sell- there's a seller and a buyer. Um, your man is marrying a woman. Um, you know, there's, um, well, you know, what were other the cases? I guess the case of a shaliach where you're making somebody an agent and they're going to be, like, responsible for what you do and so on. But things that are more one-sided, like specifically, this comes out from Rambam, if giving a gift and giving a get, giving a get, the other side, you know, is against a woman's will. So, and giving a gift, okay, somebody has to accept it, but still other people can accept it for them. It's not so much a transaction. In those cases, 
we're more willing, at least according to Rambam and Tosos Rit, to look at Devarim Shebelev. Because maybe one of the reasons we discount Devarim Shebelev is a basic issue about fairness, right? How can it be fair to the other side if we have to start worrying about what you're thinking and not articulating? So legally, we have to completely, like, just rule that out. But maybe things that are more all about one side doing it, maybe there's sort of more of a preparedness to consider that. All right, so those are anyway various factors. As I said, others look at cases, not a question about one-sided or two-sided, but just how much is it sort of, you know, self-evident from the circumstances. All right, um, now the Gemara continues. Let's take a look. Uh, where are we? Okay. A man sold his property on the condition to go to Eretz Israel, just like the previous one, except here, although the Gemara doesn't say it, the point is, it, the Gemara before said he didn't say anything. Here, the assumption is that he did say. He said, I'm planning on going to Eretz Israel. Okay? So, Salik, so he went up, he tried to make Aliyah. Velo, Isa, Isdar, he couldn't find a place to live, he couldn't find a good job, you know, tried to make Aliyah, didn't make it work, came back. Velo, Isdarle. So, what's the story? Was the condition met? He said, on the condition that I'm going to make, or I'm planning on making Aliyah, and that's why I'm selling it. So he did, I mean, or he didn't say I'm planning to make it. I'm planning to go up to, to go to Israel. So he went to Israel, but he didn't wind up settling there. So what did he mean? So Amarava called the Salik Adaitalimaderhu. Since he said since he said he was doing it on the because he was planning on going to Israel, he meant planning on going and settling in Israel. Um Valo Ister and he didn't manage to find a place to live. So the condition wasn't met, you know, the intent wasn't satisfied and therefore the sale goes back. Um, some say the opposite answer Rava gave. He said he was going to go, and he went, and now he came back. But it doesn't matter. He went. Okay, lay. Okay, so two ways of interpreting what what you know his intent was and whether the condition um, was satisfied. Who Another case. Guy sold his property, planned to go up to Eretz Israel. The Soflo Salik. In the end. You know, he changed his mind. He he didn't he didn't go. So does he have a right to reverse the sale? So um, I'm a Ravat. He said Ravat. He buys Salik. Who's stopping him? Go. You know, you can't reverse the sale. You know, you said you you know just uh, you know you still have the option of going. So Igadami, some say Ibai los Ibai los Salik. That he said no. Who's stopping him? Okay, why can't you know if he wants to? Can't he go up? Sounds like the same point. So the Gemara says, "What's the difference?" My binayu. Each one is each of those approaches is basically saying, if he wants to, he can go. Um, the question is, if something really is stopping him. Let's say you know it's really um, difficult to travel now, and that's why he's not going. So according to the answer of new, what's stopping him? There's an answer. I'll tell you what's stopping him. You know, the road conditions are terrible. Oh, okay. Then he has a legitimate reason not to go. The sale is nullified. But if the point is, you know, new, so go. You know, you, you know, said you're going to go, go. That, that, that indicates that as long as it's at all possible, then you can't, you know, uh, if you're, then, then because you can still go, it's still at least somewhat possible, the sale is not nullified. Now, there's something very interesting about this case, which is, who, who, since when does he have to, like, you know, be, feel compelled to live up to this condition? 
right? If I say, um, like, I don't know, um, on the, I'm selling you this plot of land on the condition that I walk around the block, I can choose whether I want to walk around the block or not walk around the block, and to whether to make the sale valid or not valid. So if he's deciding not to go to Eretz Yisrael, then that should nullify the sale. Why? What's the response? New, who's stopping you? Why don't you go? So this actually gets to a, another question that is asked by the Rishonin, which is, is that there's a whole discussion about when you make a an act based on a condition, a tanai, that you need to do mishpatei tanayim. You need to do things based on like how the condition was made by b'nei gad and b'nei ruvain. You have to double the condition. You know, this will work. You know, this will sell. If I make aliyah and if I don't make aliyah, then it shouldn't happen. And you have to say first, you know, the yes before the no. There's all of these conditions. And here, like, none of that gets said. It seems, seems like just as long as you say, oh, I'm planning on making aliyah. You know, that's why I'm selling it. So the, they, the, this, they make a very important distinction, Tosus, Ramban, others, between when the Tanai is considered to be external to the basic intent. Like if I say, I'm selling you this, it'll take effect if I walk around the block, not if I don't walk around the block. That's a completely trivial thing. And that means I want to use some external device to, to, to prevent it from taking a place, you know, to make it conditional to prevent it from taking a place. There, it's totally under my decision whether I want to walk around the block or not walk around the block. But if I want to create that external device to override the sale, I have to satisfy a lot of technical requirements. When I say, I'm selling you my house because I'm planning on making aliyah, this is not some external thing that's negating the sale. The fundamental central to why I am here at this table selling you the house, why we're doing this, is because of these plans. That is central to my das and central to my intent. When that's the case, then it's a fundamental question of did you really want to do it? And therefore, you don't need any of these formal mishpatei tnayim. On the other hand, we can say, look, you sold because you were planning on making aliyah, as long as that's still a possibility, right? It's not some formal thing, oh, I'm not making it sales, sales but they'll give it back to me, right? Your DAS was to do it, and there is, no, and you're still, you know, have the ability to do it. So there is no, nothing there that gives, that legitimately says that, you know, what your intent and your plan, you know, it was not working out according to what you had, assu- had assumed. Because all those assumptions are still in play. It's still possible for you to make Aliyah. Now it's just you who's deciding not to do it. So a lot of very, really important principles here. Number one, even if we trust that that's what you mean, we have completely not halachically relevant. Um, at the same time, there are times where we do look at Dvarim Shabalev, if it's Dvarim Shabalev kol Adam, it's self-evident, if maybe it's you know, giving a context to understand what your words mean, maybe if there's obvious force that's being exerted, maybe Dvarim Shalev matter more in one directional rather than in two directional transactions, uh, that's Dvarim Shalev. And then there's a separate point, which is even when things are articulated, do they have to satisfy these formal rules of, the, of conditions? And there, there's a major difference whether the condition is seen as external to the fundamental DAS or whether we're really not talking about a condition as much as what's central to the DAS of doing the transaction. So this is a major shasugya, as you might have gathered. Let's take a look now at the next Mishnah. So this you will remember, we discussed this, a man who says to his shaliach, go and marry me this woman in a certain place, and he went and finds her in a different place. She's not married because the shlichus was only for that place. That's a principle of makpid, not a principle of mara makom. There's a Tana who argues by this about get, doesn't appear here by Kidu, 
Kedushin, this our Mishnah assumes, if you say it, the Shlichus only works in that place. Um, now, if he doesn't say, go marry her in that place, he says, go marry that woman, she, she, here's where you'll find her, she's in such and such a place, and then it winds up she's somewhere else. It does work, because that was not articulated in the context of the act of which he is being empowered and which he's being made an agent. There, it just, uh, he's, it's clearly a mara makom in that scenario. Okay, if it's not nami gabigitin, we taught similarly by a get. Somebody says, give this get to my wife in such a place, and it's, why she winds up being in a different place. Puzzle, it's invalid. You know, by the way, she's in such and such a place. And given in a different place. Kasher, it's good. Okay, and again, that's, by the way, where the Tana disagrees. There's a Tana who disagrees and says, no, even in the first case, he's just Mare Makom. But this assumes, no, if it's said as part of the Shlichos, it is a technical part of the Shlichos. Fitzricha. And Mishnah has to teach you this both by get and by kiddushin. kiddushin. If it said by kiddushin, like go marry her for me in this place. He's trying to bring her close. He's trying to marry her. So he's makbid. We can assume when he says in that place, he means that that really cares that it's in that place. Because in that place, people, you know, if you go and you go to this section of town or whatever it is, people there know me and they'll say, nice things about me, certainly they won't say bad things about me, it'll be a good place to marry her on my behalf. Baha'i if you go in a different place, suddenly you'll find people that hate me, and they'll say all nasty things about me, and she'll say no. So I really want you to be careful that you're marrying her in a place where nobody comes and uh, tries to, you know, stare the shidduch, as they say. Now, that's, but I would have thought that maybe when it comes to a get, that you're trying, the guy's trying to like push her away. Um, what does he care where it's happening? He doesn't have a say, nobody's going to stop it. You know, well, what does he care what place it is? So maybe when he says this place, even, you know, that's always Mara Makam. The Gemara says, So, okay, but so then just tell me by Gerishin that even there it matters, and certainly by Kiddushin. No. I had a reason to think that maybe by by a get he more cares what place it is. Why? Because in this place I can tolerate that I'm a little bit that that it's a, a little bit of a disgrace. Now now Rashi says you know because it is a if you look at Rashi delivesi shemagarsis ishto gnai hulo man who divorces his wife it's a disgrace for him. What's a disgrace? Disgrace that the marriage didn't work out. Is it a, you know disgrace uh, you know that. Uh, that you know that 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 he um, um, that you know that he couldn't uh, figure out how to uh, you know that he married a woman that wasn't right for him uh, you know that he's going to wind up being divorced. It's not exactly clear, but it's a fascinating social commentary that the act out of divorcing his wife will be will, will be you know will be seen as disgraceful. So maybe I want you to do it in a certain place where I can more tolerate you know that this embarrassing thing is happening. It's fascinating the whole focus on the man and him tolerating the embarrassing and how he's feeling. As a result of this whole process, um, but in another place, I would I, I am really much more careful. I don't want it to be heard, and I'm I'm very sensitive to that. Okay, but by kiddushin, what do I care what place it takes place? So you had to tell me both scenarios. Okay, that is the principle of the question about Mare Makom, and our Mishnah assumes that when it's set, articulated as part of the shlichos, we always assume that's part of the shlichos and not Mare Makom. Next Mishnah. 
If a man marries a woman on the condition, now he's the one making conditions on her, that she does not have any vows that she has taken upon herself, and it turns out she did. Then she's not married. If he married her, and then it turns out that she has Nadarim, now this means, by the way, like even if, you know, um, um, he made the Tnai, he made the Tanai on the condition you don't have Nidarim. It was not found out at the time of Kiddushin. Then they had the Nisuin, and, you know, they had sex, and they got married, and they went, took it to the next stage, and they fully were living together. And then it turns out that, that, that the Nidarim are found. In that case, Tetzei Shalobik Suva, because the, it was against the condition he stipulated, she can be divorced without a Ksuva, but she's still without, you know, so she doesn't get alimony as it would be, but she still needs a get. Why does she still need a get? Because this is based on the principle of the concern of like, that we assume that a man does not want it to be that his act of sex winds up being like not in the context of marriage. So even though he made a tnai, we, there's an assumption, that, or at least we recognize that it's possible that when they actually then had the Nisuin and started living together and had sex and so on, he basically felt like he was mevatel the tznai. So because of that possibility, we assume that now they are really considered to be mikudeshes, okay, and, that, but, and still a get is needed, but divorced without a ksuva. This, by the way, raises the whole issue, you know, nowadays of one of the solutions of the aguna is to make a tznai bikidushin, to make a tznai in the kidushin that if it turns out they're separated and they don't get a get, et cetera, retroactively they were never married, do we say that once they started living together that automatically constitutes a bittle of the tznai? Or is there a way that you could be explicit and say, even if we start marrying, you know, living together, the Tanai is not going to be bato. Okay, so that this mish anyway, that's what we have here. Um, similarly, he says on the condition that there's no physical blemishes, and then it turns out that there were before the Nisuin, the marriage is void. If they got had the Nisuin and then saw these blemishes, Tate says she still needs a get, but she doesn't get her Ksufa. And then it says, all the blemishes that invalid are in, you know, invalidate Kohanim, invalidate women, which is quite a fascinating statement because sometimes the Mumim, you know, how, how like you know, when presumably he says on the condition there are no Mumim. Anyway, you know, more about this later. Let's take a look at the Gemara. It does not get deal with that line at all. Just deals very quickly with the first part of the Mishnah. The exact same mission appears in Ksuvos because this mission both talks about the about the fact that the kiddushin is not is no good and that after the nisuin she's divorced without a ksuva so it has relevance for ksuva and relevance for kiddushin so the gemara says hacha kiddushin so here the part of the mission that was relevant was the kiddushin part that that negates the kiddushin kiddushin once we're teaching the kiddushin part we teach what happens if they went through with the marriage and had the nisuin and then the relevance for ksuva by in Ksuva, Ksuva strictly, we wanted to talk about the relevance for Ksuva. So the first half was schlepped along because of to get to the second half. Okay. If a man marries two women with a pruta, or one woman with less than a pruta, so obviously none of this works. 
even if he sent Savlanus, Savlanus were traditional gifts that would be sent from the Chassan to the bride's family after the Kiddushan. Okay, so now the question is, do we, are we concerned that these Savlanos um, are, effect Kiddushan? Because the Kiddushan itself didn't effect it. She's not married. Because it was just doing it based on the first Kiddushan. It, this is not intended to be a second Kiddushan. Also, if a, man mar- if, if a boy under Bar Mitzvah did Kiddushan, and then after he became an adult, he sent these Savlanos, she is still, she is not Mikudeshes. Now, what is the Havamina that the Savlanos would make us reassess? There's one of two possibilities, and this ambiguity is going to be in the Gemara we're about to see. One possibility which Rashi emphasizes is maybe these gifts constitute new Kesef Kiddushin. And what the Mishnah is saying is like, no, when he's sending these gifts, he's sending them because he thinks he's already married, and that we should not assume that these, these gifts are because Exactly because he does think he's married and not intended to be new Kesef Kiddushin. And therefore, she remains Eina Mikudeshes. The other possibility, that's probably a very good plan the mission. The other possibility to consider, which we'll see in the Gemara, is should we think that maybe because he's sending these Savlanos, he did another act of Kiddushin that was valid? Okay, since Savlanos follow Kiddushin, maybe some other act of Kiddushin that was valid occurred that we don't know about. And the answer is like, no, we're assuming these are based on the first act. We're not going to guess that there was some new act that took place. Okay, so the Savlanos are not considered to be evidence of some new act of Kiddushin, and they're not new money of Kiddushin because it's all based on his first invalid Kiddushin. Okay, so now the Gemara says like this: Vitzricha, you need both cases about, uh, or all three cases about two women with a pruta, a woman with less than a pruta, and a katan. The Ashmun and Shavar pruta. If it's just a case of two women with a pruta, um, since in the end he's giving a full pruta, he might think that even though it's only a half pruta per woman, he might think it actually did work. Okay, and since he thinks that it that that it did work, clearly the Savlanos are not new kiddushin. Um, when he sends, gives a woman less than a pruta, um, I might think, like, presumably he knows that that's not valid Kiddushin. It was less than a pruta. And when he's sending these Savlanos, he is sending them that they should be a new Kiddushin because he obviously knew that his earlier one wasn't good. And, but we don't say that. Even in that case, we don't say that. Yes, Munun Hanitarti, if it had just said these two, the pruta between two women are less than a pruta. Hanitarti, Mishum Debain Pruta Lapach Mishwe Pruta, Lokim Luli Inchi. Because, you know, in one case you gave a full pruta, in the other case, if I mean if it was actual cash, presumably you would know. But if it was an object that was worth a little less than a pruta, maybe he didn't really know. So in all those cases he assumed it was good and the Savlanos is not going to be new kiddushin. But uh, but a cat but a cotton shakidesh. But if he was a minor, Hako Yodin King Kiddushin Katan Klum, everybody knows that's not valid. So in that case, at least, we should assume that the Savlanos were meant as a new Kiddushin. Maybe in that case, we should assume that it's new Kiddushin. That we don't say that. That we're not concerned with that without any evidence. We just say it's all in the context of the earlier Kiddushins. Uh, not everybody knows the halacha. There's no evidence that this is any Kiddushin. There's no evidence that another Kiddushin took place. So it's nothing to worry about. That's what our mission says. Fine. Now we're going to see a debate of Amorayim, whether you do worry about Savlanus. Let's take a look. Itma. 
When somebody says Savlanus, we are concerned of Kiddushin. We are concerned with it. Now, here's a major debate of Rishon, what I mentioned before. Does this mean when we see that somebody sent Savlanus to, to a woman, like a, a woman's family, that means that we're concerned he intends it to be Kesef Kiddushin? That's what Rashi says. A lot of Rishonim push back and say, I don't understand. For something to be Kesef Kiddushin, besides that they have to be Adim. Okay, maybe they were Adim and they're no longer around. But you know, you have to explicitly articulate, you have to make it very clear that it's being done for the sake of Kiddushin. Rashi says, well, maybe there was an engagement beforehand, but Rishonim re- really resist. All of a sudden, because of Savlanus, we're going to think that Savlanus are themselves Kiddushin. They say, and this is a simpler read in, in, in for pieces of the Gemara, that the question is, if somebody sends Savlanus which are traditional to be sent after Kiddushin, we're concerned that some Kiddushin took place earlier that we don't know about. Okay? So, Rav Huna and Rabba both say, if there's Savlanus, we'll go with that read. If there's, we see Savlanus being sent, we're concerned that some Kiddushin took place earlier. I'm a Rabba. We, I ask, on my own position, how, you know, this is my position, I am concerned about Kiddushin, what do I do with our Mishnah? Um, like our mission says that we're not concerned with Savlanus. Why am I saying we should be concerned with Savlanus? Abai said, Abai, Rabbis Talmud, you shouldn't feel that that's a challenge to your position. The Mishnah makes it clear why that case is not a concern. In that case, right, there was um, invalid Kiddushin. So, we assume that the Savlanas are linked to the invalid Kiddushin and nothing to worry about. But you, Rabbah, are saying, if all we know about is a guy sent Savlanas, nothing else, in that case, we'll be concerned that there was a valid Kiddushin that took place that we don't know about. So having an invalid Kiddushin neutralizes the concern of the Savlanas after. But if you just have Savlanas, that's your concern that maybe there's a Kiddushin we don't know about. Igadami, some say, Amarabah, Minah, Minala. Rabbah didn't, didn't see our Mishnah initially as a problem. He right away saw our Mishnah as proof to his position. How do I know my position? Our Mishnah says, okay, that, that the reason Savlanas are not a problem is because they're explained on the basis of the invalid earlier Kiddushin. In our Mishnah, he thinks that the first Kiddushin was good and that's what the Savlanas are about. Normally, though, if Savlanas are being sent, we would assume that there is some Kiddushin that they rep- that, that came before them. Again, Rashi would say that we assume that they were given for the sake of Kiddushin, but we'll go with the other read, okay? So when I see Savlanas being sent, if I don't know about anything that preceded, I'm going to be concerned that there was some Kiddushin. Okay, Avabaye lomi bai kamar, and Abaye would push back and say, no, goes without saying. It does. It goes without saying that in a normal case, you know, that somebody just sent Savlanus and you don't even hear of any any possibility of Kiddushin. There's nothing to be concerned about. Maybe he decided to send Savlanus before, you know, he was trying he was trying to woo the woman or something. We'll see later that in some places they send Savlanus before. So if you if, if there's no mention of Kiddushin, of course we're not concerned. Our mission is telling you, even when there was a Kiddushin that took place beforehand, and then you might think 
think that the Sav, you see he's trying to do Kiddushin, and then there was Savlanus, maybe that makes you concerned that he fixed his problem and did a good Kiddushin afterwards. Eimahavi Kiddushin, maybe it would be good. Kamash Mulan, that we're not concerned. Okay, so you have this debate. When somebody sends Savlanus without anything proceeding or without us knowing that anything proceeding, are we concerned that Kiddushin came before? My Havela, what was the conclusion of all of this? Now there's major debates of the Rishonim about what the Girsa is here. We're just going to read with the Girsa we have. In a place where Kiddushin comes first and afterwards Savlanus are sent, and then we see Savlanus being sent, we're afraid some Kiddushin must have taken place and maybe that we don't know about. If it's a place where they send the Savlanus before the Kiddushin, obviously there's nothing to be concerned about. Now, Gemara unpacks this. If they do, if, if, if Kiddushin comes before Savlanus and we saw Savlanus, obviously we've got to be concerned that some Kiddushin took place. Look, you need it for the case. It's true. Most people do Kiddushin before Savlanus. So that explains why you're concerned. And some do Savlanus first. I might think let's be concerned for the minority. Now, nechush doesn't mean, means like, let's hear nechush with our girsa, means less concerned to be machmir, but let's assume this person fits into the minority. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. Even if only 20% sense of lunas first, this person sense of lunas, there, we don't know of any Kiddushin. All of a sudden, we should be concerned that there was Kiddushin if we don't know about it. There's a known 20% of the population that sends Savlanus before Kiddushin. So I might have thought, let's say he's part of that population. So, Kamach Malan, that we don't say that because of the strictness of Eishasish. We're concerned enough about the fact that there's Savlanus that there might have been a Kiddushin that took place beforehand since that's at least the way the majority of the population act. Okay. Let's say that uh, it's known that this woman had a, um, you know, had a ksuva written up for her. Does that mean that we are concerned that uh, the kiddushin took place? Or maybe, you know, the ksuva, I mean, the ksuva is given at the nisuin or whatever, right? So if the woman is known that there was a ksuva written up, maybe we should assume that the kiddushin already took place. Similar type of a question. So, so he said, what? I don't get it. Like, why should we assume just because a ksuva was written up, you know, that, she, that, that she's already married? Like, maybe this is something, I mean, you know, that maybe he was doing it in preparation for it, but all of a sudden we should assume the kiddushin already took place? My Havela, what was the conclusion? Um, so I'm a Ravashi. Again, it's going to depend on the practice of the case. But also the Mikachi in a place where the writing of the Ksuva, remember, it wasn't even given yet. But Kiddushin would always occur before the writing of the Ksuva Chashinan. Then we heard a Ksuva was written. We have to be concerned that the Kiddushin took place. If they write a Ksuva before Kiddushin, lo we're not concerned. And again, the Gemara says, if Kiddushin always comes before it's written, and now it's written, obviously we need to be concerned there was Kiddushin. No, you need it in a scenario where it's hard to find a sofer. Okay, so yes, the practice is you write it after Kiddushin, but also it's not so easy to find a sofer. 
So Mao Dutema Safrahidis Rami, very reasonable thing. I'm thinking about getting married. I haven't done the Kiddushin yet, but the sofa is in down and he's not going to be in down for another three months. So I get him to write up the Ksuva ahead of time. Kamash Malan. So that teaches us that no, that even though, yes, that is a possible scenario, just like before, it's possible I'm sending Savlanus before the Kiddushin. People do that. But since the standard is that the Ksuva is only written after Kiddushin, Therefore, that is enough of a reason to be concerned that a Kiddushin already took place um, and, um, you know, because of the weight of Eishasish. Of course, Chashinan, and then we go ahead and we try to, you know, figure it out, but at least we start with that concern.